If you're looking for your life to be normal and serve God, think again. Your life as a follower of Jesus Christ will never be normal. Well, okay, pastor, if it's not going to be normal, does that mean it's going to be abnormal? Some of us don't have to worry about abnormality. We just wake up that way. Have you noticed that? There are always going to be a battle. You and I are going to enjoy successes. We're going to enjoy uh, privileges. We're going to enjoy, look what the Lord has done. But we're also going to face the same circumstances that many people face who may be non-believers. There's always going to be some kind of a giant out there, some kind of confrontation that's going to meet you head on. Sharon and I were talking the other day, and uh, we were talking to someone, and she made the statement, you know, as she was talking to the individual, listen, you always treat a person the same way that you treated them before they hurt your feelings. And I thought, boy, we have, uh, we have taught that principle right out of the Scripture for a long, long time. It really makes life easier if you just take the high road as many times as you possibly can. It's always easy to understand that you're not the only one that's getting slapped around. How many know what I'm talking about? You just get slapped around. And you give it your best shot. The thing that used to bother me most is when you know, I know that I'm giving it everything that I can, 110%. And buddy, here out of nowhere comes something that you get blamed for that you, you didn't do. And I, I, I took care of that when I was a kid. I created me an avenue because all the things that I did, my mom and dad did not know about. And the times that they whipped me, we didn't believe in spankings back then. We didn't have any corners in our house, so there wasn't one to run to. It was just if you got a spanking at school, a paddling, you're going to get one when you got home. No doubt about it. So I just decided uh, all the things that I've done, they don't know about it. When I got a spanking for something that I knew that I didn't do, I just chalked it up to all the times they didn't know what I did. And I said, that's it. But here's what I know, that when the enemy attacks you and you're doing your very, very best, and he comes at you and you think, God, wow, I'm, I'm just hanging in there and I still get beat around. I just uh, chalk it up to the fact that, wow, God, you let me go so long without any major battles and we'll take this one on the chin. You won't find a time in Scripture among any of those individuals that we really look up to but what there was not two things happening in their life at the same time. One is victory and advancement toward the kingdom goal. And the other was tension and difficulty that faced their challenges. I mean, Paul and Silas and Peter and all the other, of course, and apostles and John and back in the Old Testament, Moses. And you think, boy, what a great opportunity to have a rod like that, you know can open up the Red Sea and all those can turn to a snake and all those things that took place. But there were also the times in which Moses was saying, God, this aggravating bunch of people that you've given me, they are deaf and dumb when it comes to following after your will and your, your love. So tonight I want to talk about the process toward victory. It never ends. Victory is something that you have the ability to grasp hold of seasonally at times, but I want you to know that victory will always be kind of a target that moves, and as it moves, we move with it. 
There are many people in the world today that society lives up as great victorious individuals, individuals that they say are great superstars and leaders. And most of those people that our culture lifts up, these are the guys and these are the gals that really get it done, that's determined by their talent or their unique ability or or their good looks or their wealth or fame and their creative or athletic ability that's there. But I'm convinced, my friend, that the real giants of the world, spiritual giants, that is, that's in love with the Lord Jesus Christ, sometimes may not be the best looking, may not be the most academically charged, may not be the individual that has accomplished a lot of fame, but it may be a person, a guy or a gal or a young person that that virtually uh, is uh, soiled because they've been in the gutter fighting the enemy seemingly day and night. The real champions in our culture today are those who exhibit a presence of the Word of God in their life, those that espouse positive character and take the high road and say, God, you are God, those that work to make an honest living. Can you say amen? Those that provide for their family, those that teach and example spiritual maturity. They're not murmuring all the time. They're not complaining all the time. They're not going to quit the next day because it didn't go right. They're not going to throw their hands up and be angry at anyone. That kind of young man or young woman or male or female, when that person decides, I'm going to live for God regardless. Whatever I face, I'm going to stand strong and I'm going to make it. I'm going to be careful to maintain my disciplines And what are those disciplines? It is read your Bible, do your devotions, have your prayer time, have fellowship and fellowship with others and be in church and roll your sleeves up and get involved and build the kingdom of God. May I get a good amen? Here's what we know. Peter says, all right, everybody, listen up. I've got a late news bulletin for you. And here it is. It did not come from the influence of the enemy. It did not come from a well-written document of present culture. Here's what he is. Be well-balanced, temperate, sober-minded. Be vigilant and cautious at all times. For that enemy of yours, we have one, the devil, roams around like a lion, roaring in fierce hunger. Here's the part I've underlined especially, seeking someone to seize upon and devour. Every single day, your enemy looking for someone to seize upon and devour. How does he do that? He might do it through getting fired from your job. He might do it with a divorce notice. He might He might do it by a best friend turning on you. He might do it by some physical challenge that hits you. He might do it by financial reverse. He might do it by somebody standing in your face and calling you a liar. Numerous ways to do it to rock your world. He said he's there to pounce upon any person who has accepted Jesus as Lord. Has the potential, though, if that be the case, to be a spiritual giant. I don't want to be a spiritual wimp. Turn to your neighbor and say that. I don't want to be a spiritual wimp. Would you do that? I don't want to be a spiritual wimp. Wimps, all they do is cry and murmur all the time. Wimps are individuals that never really are happy. Do you know somebody like that? I mean, they always have to have more. Spiritual wimps, individuals that just can never be satisfied. Spiritual wimps, of course, that in their life, they always have to have more, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. 
Let me tell you, the giants that I want to be like are those giants that say, buddy, I've been bruised and scarred, beat around, pushed down, told to shut up, get back. But listen, I keep getting up over and over and over again. Amen. Our Savior went to the cross and stood there taking that pain and then went to the tomb and came out victorious on the third day. All of us have a third day in our future. Can you say amen? No matter what you're facing. Well, the enemy is not afraid of you. Turn to your neighbor and say that. The enemy is not afraid of you. I didn't say tell your neighbor you are the enemy. <laughs> Beware of Satan's intimidation. For Samuel 17, a champion named Goliath, who was from Gath, came out of the Philistine camp. And he's over nine feet tall. Goliath stood and shouted to the ranks of Israel, why do you come out and why do you come out and line up for battle? Am I not a Philistine? And are you not the servants of Saul? Choose a man and have him come down to me. It's that little voice on your shoulder. It's that intimidating moment. This job's too big for you. It's that disappointing letter that you get. It's that bill that you thought was one number and the reality is it was a much higher number. It was that situation that you felt like that you were between a rock and a hard place. But listen, if you're going forward, you will be between a rock and a hard place many times in your life. Many times. Goliath was the ultimate intimidation to Saul and the armies of Israel. I mean, the best of Israel's armies. You see, the intimidations of the enemy, here's what I found out, has some basic characteristics. In the natural, they're always overwhelming. Always overwhelming. That's too big. That mountain's too large. That situation, I, I don't know how to deal with it. I'm just going to get in depression. I'm going to stay at home. I'm going to pull the cover over my head. Or I tell you what I'm going to do, I'm going to give a piece of their mind. I, I've been holding back on them, but I'm going to go back to work tomorrow, and I am going to unload on them. And you know when you do that, you're doing exactly what the enemy wanted you to do. We have to be careful. You see, in the natural, they are overwhelming. Goliath was over nine feet tall. I would tell you that that is pretty intimidating. Here's another. Satan takes the initiative to give an ultimatum. He cried to the armies of Israel to come and fight. And how many times have we heard the ultimation, ultimatum of the enemy? You know if you give more, here's the ultimate. You're going to sacrifice over here. You know so-and-so is at the services all the time, but you don't have to be there all the time. And he'll give to that moment of ultimatums. You don't have to do, you don't have to do what they encourage you to do. Satan is persistent in his challenge. He just will not back down. He is tries to create fear in us. Saul was greatly afraid, and he always talks and acts like he is the, the individual with the upper hand, with confidence. Goliath said to David, I'll give your flesh to the birds of the air and to the beast of the field. 
to intimidate means he frightens and coerces into submission or obedience. What is it lately that is trying to intimidate you? What is it lately trying to get an angst in your spirit? What is it lately that's trying to create pride in you? What is it lately that's trying to something to rub you wrong? What is it lately in your life that's getting in your way that you talk about when you're in the car? What is it that the enemy is trying to agitate you with? I declare that is the voice and the work of the enemy and the best thing to do is simply this. God, I plead the blood, cover me with your blood, cleanse my heart and cleanse my mind. I will not be intimidated by the voice and the lie of the enemy. I declare victory in the name of Jesus Christ. Satan's only weapon in trying to defeat us is to use intimidation in mind games. And boy, has he done it so many times in my life and I know he has. This is the best you're ever going to get. She's never going to get better. He's never going to get better. You're never going to have a better job. You just will give it up. That's just the way it's going to be. Everybody around you is always going to have problems. You see, here's what I know. Satan is not afraid of us, as I mentioned a moment ago. He tricked Adam and Eve. He said, hey, you go ahead and eat. You're not going to die. Not only that, he smote Job. He afflicted Job. And of course, he had God's permission with painful sores of the sole of his feet to the top of his head. He brought resistance against Joshua. Joshua standing before the throne of God and old, the old devil stands up there right beside him to accuse him. I mean, there he is. It is amazing. He tempted Christ. He said, hey, if you think you're a hot shot son of God, he said, why don't you tell these stones to, be, to become bread? He disturbs the good seed. You do something good. You think I've got a running start here. And what does he do? It simply says in Matthew 13, the field is the world and the good seed stands for the sons of the kingdom. The weeds are the sons of the evil one and the enemy who sows them is the devil. In the midst of your do good, Satan drives up and sows bad seed and he instigates men to sin. He can't stand when you do the right thing and say the right thing. He can't stand it when you make the right decision to engage in proper spiritual disciplines. It is John 13. It simply says that the devil had already prompted Judas Iscariot, son of Simon, to betray Jesus already. But John in Revelation declares in Revelation 2, verse number 10, this is what we found. He said, I want you to be faithful even to the point of death, and I'll give you a crown of life. That's what I want to be. I'll give you a crown of life. I will. The enemy ever gotten in you and say, God, why do you keep blessing them? They're nothing but skunks. Why do you keep giving them increase? They're about as faithful or unfaithful as anybody I've ever met. God, why does it seem that you continue to give them favor? When I know good and well, they'll lie at the drop of a hat. God, how is it that you continue to seem to cover them up with all kind of accolades out there? And I know that they are rotten to the core. You know what the enemy's trying to get you to do? Do to be lured in to begin that judgment process. But be careful, the Bible says, don't you dare judge them lest you be what? judged. So the intimidation of the enemy is always there. He's not afraid. Number two, never trust your own strength. <clears throat> How many of you men are here? 
And from time to time, your little woman has had to bring you a jar and say, darling, would you, would you open this? How many of you men out there, how many has that happened to you? Now, how many of you men know that to get that jar open, you will break your wrist if you have to? <laughs> Y'all with me? You take a deep breath because here's what you know. Her stance, and she's thinking, let me see if you've still got it, big boy. <laughs> Hello? And what if you can't get it open? And you've got a teenage son in the house. And she says, let me call Joey. Joey, and you say, go up and get him. He's got his earplugs in. Get him, sweetie. You run to the shop and grab you a pair of big old pliers and put on that jar, open it, and run back in and say, I got it. Let me just tell you something. The point is, you and I can try over and over and over and over again to do things in our own strength. If you've got an addiction, you won't whip that addiction by yourself. If you've got a secret heart, you won't whip that by yourself. If you've got anger in your heart and bitterness, you won't whip that by yourself. And you can cover it. You can cover it with all kind of Whipped cream that you want to, but it's still there. And God will say, you can't trust your own strength. For Samuel 17, David, of course, fastened on his sword over the tunic and tried walking around because he was not used to them. He said, I, I cannot go in these, he said to Saul, because I'm not used to them. So he took them off. He took them off, and David said to the Philistine, You come against me with a sword and a spear and a javelin, but I've come against you in the name of the Lord Almighty, the God of the armies of Israel, whom you have defied. I think there are times in all of our lives in which we just humble ourselves and we freely admit, God, if I'm going to live victoriously, I'm going to need your help. If I'm going to live with peace in my heart, I'm going to need your help. If I'm going to have a clear conscience, I'm going to need your help. If my mind stays pure, I'm going to need your help. God, if I'm going to have the love that passes all understanding, I'm going to need your help. I will not be able to do it without you. God, if I'm going to maintain the proper attitude of loving you, I'm going to need your help. You see, Satan is quite aware of the fact that he can beat us if we use our own strength or carnal weapons. You see, Goliath cried, give me a man and let us fight each other. Carnal weapons will not meet supernatural advances. 
If you expect and say, I'm going to cast the devil out of that person, you better know that you're prayed up. You better know your heart is right. You better know that you have an anointing. You better know that you're walking right before you decide to confront a demon that might reside in somebody. You better know that if you don't, my friend, here's what's going to happen. You're going to get kicked from here to yonder. And the enemy will claim a victory. For we know that we don't wrestle against flesh and blood. Unproven weapons will, will not meet supernatural advances. The enemy will come at you head on. I cannot go in these, David said to Saul, because I'm not used to them. He took them off. He realized that in previous battles with the lion and the bear, that it was God's intervention. That it was God. And if God is going to intervene for you and me, we have to be in a position in our heart and in our mind and in a season of walking right for God to be able to flow in and through us. He cannot flow through a corrupt vessel. He cannot flow through tainted water. We know that he said, hey, the reason that I beat the lion and the bear because the Lord delivered me from the paw of the lion and the paw of the bear, it was the Lord that did it for me. I knew that I did not have enough muster to be able to do it. God intervened. Hear me tonight, friend. God needs to intervene in our nation today. He needs to intervene in the lives of so many people who are professing believers and say, hey, let me divinely flow in and through your life and in your family. Give me a chance. Humble yourself and watch what I will do for you. Oh, but we keep trying. Saul said to David, you're the only, you're, you were only a boy, and he's been fighting this, this Goliath, has been fighting since his youth. Well, that's true from the perspective of man's strength and power. And the enemy manip, manip, manipulate, manipulate our minds, and we will hear his lies in manipulation. When we trust our strength, we will get beaten. We will become embarrassed, discouraged. We'll become paranoid. We will live in fear. Jesus said to Peter, Simon, Satan has asked to sift you like wheat. David said to Saul, I don't need your weapons. I don't need your armor. And I don't need your spear. What I have in me is a confidence that comes from my relationship with Jesus Christ. What kind of battle are you prepared for? What kind of battle tomorrow that might confront you are you able to take on in the name of Jesus Christ? How strong is your spiritual stamina in the Lord? How current are your spiritual disciplines? How, how, how solid are your commitments to the work of God? How solid are those? Because the battles that you may be fighting tomorrow or the next day or this week may be those that God said, hey, I created an opportunity for you to be mature. Now, here is your battle for today. You see, David said, I'm not here to fight with my strength. I'm here because I believe in God. I believe in God under the anointing of God's Spirit, directed by the wisdom of God, prepared by trials that were permitted against me by God, and I'm acting as an agent of God. And David said to Saul, let no one lose heart on account of this Philistine. Your servant will go 
and fight him. I will go and fight him. David was not in the military. He was under no oath. He was under no command. He was there because God directed him there. And when he saw the confrontation of the enemy, Goliath the giant, David could not stand by and let Goliath intimidate the kingdom of God. Finally, we allow God to work through us. This day the Lord will hand you over to me. I'll strike you down and cut off your head today. I'll give the carcasses of the Philistine army to the birds of the air, the beast of the earth, and the whole world will know that there is a God in Israel. And all those gathered here will know that it is not by sword or spear that the Lord saves. For the battle is the Lord's. And he will give all of you into our hands. We used to sing... Jesus is the sweetest name I know And He's just the same As His lovely name That's the reason why I love Him so For Jesus is the sweetest name I... Would you stand? Let's sing it together. Jesus is the sweetest name I know. And He's just the same as His lovely name. That's the reason why I love him so. For Jesus, the sweetest name I know. And I love him. Listen, friend, when you take a stand in your spirit, you look out there and you see whatever that giant might be and the intimidation of the enemy 
And the enemy will tempt you to make you believe, hey, come on out, take him on. But that's not what God's desire. God's desire is to let him work in and through you. And when you say, okay, I'm clothed under the anointing of the Holy Spirit, and you begin to worship with songs like we just sang, you be prepared for opposition. David's older brothers say, you little punk, get out of here. Be prepared for the naysayers. Saul said, you can't do this, you're only a boy. Be prepared for unwise counsel. Old Saul said, put on my armor, buddy. You're going to need it. You see, be prepared for open ridicule by the adversary. Philistine said, am I just a dog? You've come at me with a bunch of sticks, boy. But you know what? When you know that you know and you're in worship, you know that you know that you sense and feel the presence of God. David said, I feel an anointing. And he thought, why in the world should I wait on old big boy to come on up to the battle line? I'm just going to go on out there. Hallelujah. When an anointing hits you, you can't keep your feet still, my friend. Here's what I know. When an anointing hits you, you're not going to run away from the fray of the battle. You're going to run toward it and say, here's what I do know. I don't have anything in my heart holding me back. I don't have anything in my life that's separating me from seeing the victory take place. So I'm just going to go out there. And he took off toward Goliath and he had that sling and the stone. And you know what? The Bible is particularly specific and said, and with one stone, David kill Goliath. Amen. With one stone. Who do you think took that stone and made sure it hit Goliath? David was a marksman, but the hand of God was there, but it comes through just being in his presence. Let's just pray together and we'll sing again. Just a moment. Worship him. Some appropriate song. Father, now in the name of Jesus, I thank you for every person here. Whatever challenges anyone in this room might be facing, I pray that you would arrest them I pray in the name of the Lord that you would stir our hearts. I pray, God, if anyone is carrying a load of bitterness and resentment and carrying around a lie from the enemy, I pray you'd lift them up. I pray if anyone here is oppressed, suppressed, and facing depression, I pray it will be relieved by the anointing of the Holy Spirit. I pray instead of talking about what we need, we'll pray about what we need, Father. I pray instead of retreating, that God will go on our knees and get ready to advance under the power of the anointing of the Holy Ghost, God. It is not by might of your power. Lord Jesus in this room are the ones who are those who move forward in victory in the name of Jesus. And God, in your holy name, may our families get back to absolute commitment of what it means to serve you and serve our church. We just lift you up by the power of the Holy Spirit. We're going to worship in this song. If you need prayer, we had an altar service earlier. But if you got something bogging you down, you come down. We'll pray for you, and we'll just continue to worship for just a moment. Here we go, everybody. Let's worship together. Come on now. You need prayer. Come on down. Lord, we lift our hands and worship as we lift your holy name. You deserve the glory and the honor. Lord, we lift our hands 
Heavenly Father, I thank you tonight for this great congregation. Thank you for everybody listening online. I pray, God, that you'll give us favor this week. I pray in the name of the Lord, we'll be fasting and praying this week for the service on Sunday. I pray, God, in your holy name, that something that you choose to do will be done. I pray for the worship team that a divine anointing of your spirit would rest upon them. I pray when we come back in here next Sunday morning, oh God, I pray we'll have a confrontation of the power of the Holy Spirit and that lives will be forever changed. And we claim that in Jesus' name. And everybody said, amen, amen. Turn to somebody you think's good looking and say, God bless you. There is no one else like you, for you are great. You do miracles so great. There is no one else like you. There is no one else like you, because you are great. You do miracles so great. There is no one else like you. There's no one else. There is no one else like you, cause you are